0: And welcome back to the show, A Balanced Life for You, where you design the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Rhonda Cimarilli. I'm a certified transformational coach helping those mompreneurs balance that juggling act by creating new systems for increased time, energy, and money. Well, today on the show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Anna Young, and she's a native from Asheville, North Carolina. She's a single mom of two boys, and I've invited her today to be a guest because I want her to be able to share with you, my listeners, a little bit more about a mind shift on going from being an employee to being the owner and founder of your own business. Anna, are you there today? I am. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, Anna, you and I have spoke uh, prior to today, and you have an amazing story and I feel like you and I have connected from another universe at one point or another. <laughs> and I, what I'd love for you to do is, as you know, the Balanced Life for You is where you design the life of your dreams, and you truly fit that profile. So would you mind taking a few moments and sharing a little bit uh, about your journey and your background with our listeners today?
1: I would love to. Um, Thank you. So I... As I think I told you, I, I feel like I have a lifetime of entrepreneurship and kind of um, creating my own life because I come from a town where to survive you have to have that kind of mindset. I think most of the people I grew up with there, um, literally every the people who have succeeded you know, financially or just the people who are thriving the most there are the ones who have started their own businesses. And um, so I was raised with that mentality. Okay, so a little about myself. Um, As you said, I'm from Asheville, North Carolina, and something unique about Asheville is that there are a lot of entrepreneurial-minded people. I always think that it is a town that, in order to survive, you have to have an entrepreneurial mind. You have to start your own business, and um, I was raised in that mentality and in that that kind of the core and the heart of that um, in Asheville. So when I was nine years old, I had my first business. I was the president and CEO of my Marilyn Monroe fan club. and um, From that point, I had a potpourri business. I went around town selling paper. I just really feel like I've kind of always had this, this spirit um, that desired this level of, I think, creativity that comes to entrepreneurial um, mind. Uh, I also always had an, a desire for Computer arts. So I have these things in my life that have all kind of come full circle, and it, all of the connections are making sense. Um, I wanted to be a graphic artist. I wanted to have a positive impact on women. I also kind of what I believe and see now is as God's voice in my life. At one point, realizing that. Um, If you're having a bad day, if you make somebody else's day a little bit brighter or remove some of their load, it will make your day better. So that became kind of like a a life motto. And I say all of these things because they have all come back to me um, through my work, through the leap that I took to um, start my own business, uh, which is a, a design business that it's Durham Creative Co., Durham Creative Company. It's a, anyway, um, I just need you to stop again. I'm getting so nervous. <laughs> well,
0: you know what? Why don't, we, why don't we interject right there for a minute? Um, so what I'm hearing is you've always had an entrepreneurial mindset from the get-go because essentially that was really how you were raised, And uh, you came from, now, is Asheville a small town? Is that what you meant by in order to survive, you need that mindset?
1: Um, I think, yeah. I mean, it's still kind of a small town, even though it's grown in popularity. But, yes, it's a small town. Um, At the time I was growing up, it was was kind of dead. And even Mm -hmm. now, it's just there is something about it that there's, there's, a, there's employment opportunity, but really to succeed, you have to own your own business. You have to work for yourself to to really have the freedom to live and thrive as a resident there. <laughs> well, so, you know, that, yes, that's small small it. Well, those are all
0: very valid points, and I think that's really per- a lot of the purpose of this um, podcast show anyway, is to allow women to understand there is a difference between – Um, with the mindset alone between working for someone else versus working for yourself. And I've actually, I went to Asheville um, last summer, Uh, just down the village. They had this, you know, little, um, uh, (laughs) you know, they closed the streets off and they had some kind of parade. I don't even know what the event was, Uh but I did notice that um, it had a very old Southern kind of traditional feel to it. Now I didn't get to, you know, check out the town in in its entirety, but I did notice that um, there were a lot of very unique independent stores in that community, uh, yeah, so I'm going to guess that that's kind of where all of this um, was seeded from early on
1: i I think so, and a lot, and my parents knew a lot of those people when I was growing up, a lot of the people that owned the business, My mom was an integral part of being a change agent and, you know, bringing Asheville to the point where it is today. So just, um, yeah, it it, it definitely, definitely that uniqueness, that community, that um, what I, what is going to be the common theme of what I probably talk about um, in this podcast, which is creativity. I've come to understand that as what I think might be one of the most phenomenal powers that we all have is the creativity of mind
0: well do tell us more about this
1: <laughs> well that's where my whole journey has kind of all come in like full circle connected to each other which is my desire for entrepreneurialship, my desire for becoming a, a, a designer a graphic designer web designer and coaching which is what I also do um So it's really just this beautiful, what is the word? The symbiosis, connection, interconnectedness of, you know, we are naturally creative. I mean, that is what we are. That is what our minds are. The power of the mind of visioning the things like our dreams and manifesting our dreams and extracting those visions. And interestingly, I was, again, given a desire to become a designer. So that's what I've been doing all along. And when I when I stepped into my coach training program, I kind of had a moment where I was like, whoa, this is what I've been doing all along. I mean, on top of helping people to, you know, helping to inspire people or helping people to to really see and feel that they are worthy of of their life or what they want or their vision. It's like I'm also a designer. I get to go talk to clients and extract their vision for a logo or personal branding or, you know, a website. It's the same exact concept. And that's why I just it's really brought home to me this is all just about creativity of the mind. Anything you can envision, let let's extract that out of your mind. Ask questions that would, you know, help you to think on a much bigger scale to expand that vision. And what can we do to To actually bring it to fruition. You know, as you probably know as a coach, that's what we do in coaching. I mean, it's the same Mm -hmm. thing. So, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. We're naturally, I I love
0: what you said that we are naturally um, creative and we are able to see our visions. Now, I know in my business with my clients, sometimes those visions um, become very dark. They're hard to yeah. see and
1: find. Have you ever found that? I do. Yeah, you know we have our our own limiting beliefs, and even, you know, even no matter what side of the work that I do, and no matter you know my own experiences, I have definitely. I'm a single mom, and when I got pregnant with my first son, you know I was looking at single motherhood, and it's kind of one of those moments you go oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this? What am I going to be able to, you know, how am I going to do this? How are we going to survive? How am I going to provide? And, you know, again, I I do believe this is all connected um, to even an entrepreneurial mind or taking a a risk to go work for yourself. It's all all of the same thoughts. You know, you go, how am I going to do this? Is it going to work? Mm. And... Um, Yeah, and to me those are those moments that can become dark and and sometimes your lights get shut off (laughs) literally and figuratively. You know, one of the things I
0: want to, I don't mean to interrupt, one of the things I want to ask you um, before we get into too much of where you are right now, um, Mm -hmm. I remember you sharing with me a little bit about your background being the employee, working for another company. Can you... Um, share a little bit about that background, just so the listeners have an idea of what you were doing prior to starting your own business, what that sure.
1: entailed. I, yeah, I. Um, so I have worked in corporate America as a designer, um, and you know, I actually really. Let's see. Looking at the difference of em- kind of thinking in terms of indifference of employee versus um, entrepreneur, you know. There were things I really loved about working for a company. It's the, the, you know, the teamwork. It's really the community (laughs) that you have working for whatever team or department you work with, the whole company, the the company is, you know, getting along. Um, I did really enjoy that aspect of being an employee. And I, I, again, I worked in a designer role. Um, And it was very... For a while, working in corporate, what I felt was it was very fulfilling. I had actually worked for myself for a few years before that, and the stability that it brings to work for corporate. Corporate, you know, you you know what to expect. Um, there's the day to day. You just you know what to expect. There's a schedule. Mm-hmm. There's a routine. There's a there's a rhythm that you get into, and even if there are bumps along the way. Still get that paycheck and you still know when I wake up I'm going to work I'm going to come home um and that kind of thing but what ended up happening for me is that eventually my started feeling boxed in and there's a a, a, you know it's I am a visionary and I see things I can look at a situation and see how this is going to end I I think that's one of my gifts and um or hey, let's try this strategy because this is what's going to strengthen. You know, this is a this is a, maybe this is something that would actually strengthen the journey along the way, rather than throwing us into a scenario where, um, where you know we're just kind of going to drown. And so little by little, I kind of just started all of these things. I started feeling like I was just kind of dying inside a little bit, um, mm. and I kept you know I would actually go through coaching, you know. I see a cement wall. I just see this gray wall because all of this creativity that's inside of me is now I'm beating my head up against a wall because nobody listens and nobody, I mean, I, I, I the respect of my team and I gain the respect of, you know, my, my department, but they're not at the same place I am. And I, I have to respect that, but I'm starting to feel like something is just a light is dimming inside because my level of creativity is so expansive that I just, mm-hmm. is. It's just being dampered. And so um,
0: was there, you know, I know a little bit about your story from our other conversations. So would you say that there was a specific event or a point in time that actually helped you make that decision to leave corporate America and venture out and take that risk that you were talking about? start your own business there was
1: a very clear moment (laughs) I had gone through coach training which I shared with you um, which changed my life it was life altering I had I had had been exposed to what my life's purpose was and so when you do that and you you're in that space um, it's kind of hard to go back to the you know I I have these weekend-long intensive trainings and I remember the first weekend and I remember on Sunday when we all left and I thought, wow, tomorrow I have to go back to my job. And I've just been standing in my purpose, like my power, this place where there's people, I'm surrounded by this incredible group of people who feel the same way, who nurture this, who who believe in me, who I believe in. Like, how do do you go back to your normal day after that? And Mm. I went back to work and I just remember driving to work and going, okay, well, um, I, I mean, I literally had to sit in my car and just, you know, I, I don't know if I can walk in those doors. And um, I told myself this is a 90-day. I said, okay, Anna, just, you know, think of this as your 90-day contract, your, your, your ending, and this is a temporary contract that's at its last 90 days. And at the end of those 90 days, you're going to be ready to take your next step, whatever that might be. And, you know, in those moments, you don't know what the end result is. I just knew that I couldn't walk back into those doors doing the same thing with the same mindset, expecting the same things, unhappy, unfulfilled, feeling devalued, feeling underappreciated, underpaid. <laughs> like I just couldn't go back into this small mentality anymore because you just can't do that once you've experienced your purpose. Mm-hmm. So, I walked back into my job that day, and what's interesting is um, I went through my day. I felt dead inside. (laughs) I was literally just dead inside. I would go through the motions, and it was a little heartbreaking, you know, because this is something I worked so hard to be. I I worked very hard to be at the place where I was, and I worked hard to, you know, I I got my degree in design, all of these things that have supported me. And um, so that was – I had to go through a lot. On the inside a lot of work and I could have never imagined that 90 days later to the day I am I couldn't make this up if I tried to the day I had my one-year review at this company with a supervisor I had no respect for because he had no respect for me and I sat in there in my review for an hour listening to him tell me all of the categories on that professional review all of the things that I had spent 10 years building clientele of my own on the side, earning the respect of you know the, the, the directors and senior directors and VPs across the companies that I had worked for with the people, my clientele, who I had a high standard of working for, who loved me, who said, you've given me more than I could have asked for with this project. 10 years of that behind me and this man who had never even worked with a designer. Had, had he actually felt like he had the authority to walk in in my one year review and tell me that I didn't know what I was doing? I um, that I was you know he basically if you're you know scoring an evaluation from one to four, one being not meeting company standard, four being being meeting, you know exceeding company standard. He looked me in my face and told me I had ones on everything, and in that moment. I thought, never again. <laughs> and it, it didn't hit me until the next day that I, um, I actually looked at, whatever made me realize that it, it was 90 days after the day that I sat in my car and said, this is me. I am walking into my job, working out my 90-day temporary contract at this place. I'm going to tie everything up. I'm going to make sure my, my, my work is done here. And I walked out of my job do I recommend this to everybody? No, (laughs) I'm not (laughs) recommending this uh, to the public. But I had reached that point. I had done, I just, I could not sit in front of a man who was willing to tell me what my value was, what my mm -hmm. experience was, what my expertise was, and that I didn't know how to collaborate or communicate or uh, meet deadlines or anything. I was Mm -hmm. just, like, you know, never again. Wow. That was a moment. You know,
0: <laughs> I love it. I don't recommend doing this. Um, however, here's a couple of things that I heard with your story that when you were with Corporate America, the couple of positive things that you did talk about were working as part of a team or with a team, and it was definitely a routine. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you could pretty much, you, you could count on You know, I work this many hours, get paid this much, I can count on this kind of a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very routine, and yet yeah. it was a part of you that you said you felt like you were fe- starting to get boxed in, you were dying inside, you were feeling unhappy, and the moment that you, essentially you manifested, you put this in your mind, you created this, you envisioned it, no matter how consciously you think you were doing it, you unconsciously, subconsciously manifested your 90-day moment, didn't you?
1: I, I, I did. I really did. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty. You know what's interesting is I had, I had actually a big part of what gave me that perspective, um, and you know I respect everybody's beliefs. Um, I just I had worked with a woman who it's called an akashic soul reader, <laughs> and she goes in and wait, opens your soul records. Akashic uh, soul records reader. Okay. And what they do is they, it's, it's kind of energetic work where she she opens the records of your soul and, you know, she you, she reveals to you information and we talk. And it had been a few months prior to all of that that we were having a similar conversation to some of the things that I've just said here. And she said, you realize this is a temporary contract. And I was like, I guess I didn't because survival is sort of important, <laughs> Providing for my children is kind of important, but um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I took to heart what she said, and I knew in that I knew that when she said that, and that it hit me the way that it hit me, um, that it was important to me. I heard that louder than a lot of things she said during our conversation that time, and so I realized it came it came back to me, you know, when um, came back to me uh, when I was sitting in my car at that time because I wondered when that moment would happen, and. Mm-hmm. I thought this is that. This is what she meant. This really is a temporary contract, and, and right now I'm 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 going to set the terms on this because I get to do that.
0: Mhm. And that's that's empowering in itself when we can realize that we've had so much internal um, personal growth. Because that's what I heard you talk about too—the personal growth that you had received, and understanding the value that you personally own. I know yes. a lot of women that I, I coach with. Um, those are two things that I strive to um, support them in, in uncovering, you know, the, the personal growth and what value that they and own it and um, own it.
1: I mean, it's so important, you know. If I if I can, I want I'd love to share a story. It's sure. kind of like the the one other story that really was um, aside from what I just shared with you. Um, this story was really a turning point, and um, it just—it was—it was a while ago, and so it was so important to my story that it, you know, um, when I was in still living in Asheville, and I was working as a designer for a company, and I really loved the people I worked with. I loved my director. I had a whole lot of respect for her. I mean, she'd been in the industry for 30 years. She really respected me. She was a great mentor. I mean, she just trusted our expertise. She was like the best-case scenario you could have of a leader in a company on your team. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I felt really lucky, and she still to this day, like, her, her essence really affects me in the way that I approach things. But um, um, I, I got a job at this company, and, again, I'm a visionary. I saw how quickly we were growing, and I'm like, I'm going to position myself um, to be, a, you know, the senior designer or, um, the creative director of this team because it's going to happen. I see this. I don't even know how I see it, but I see it and I believe it. And so I started doing all of the things that I imagined a leader would do on a team. You know, I, I made the team more efficient. We were producing at a higher rate. Um, I I suggested resources that could, again, help us work more efficiently, more collaboratively, communicate cross departmentally, like all of these things kind of a, a leader would be <laughs> I, I imagine the leader would be doing. And um mm-hmm. One day out of the blue, I think I had been working. I mean, six months had gone by. I I kind of made that choice. Like I said, I thought, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to position myself because I want everybody to know that I'm going to be the leader of the team. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean that in a loud way, but it was more for me to have a perspective. This is how I'm going to act because I want people to see me this way because when the opportunity arises, I want to be the first one they think of. So Mm -hmm. a day came. There was a little bit of transition happening on the team, uh, each of us were being called in individually to by our director to a conference room. And it was a quick, like everybody was going in and coming out pretty quickly. And it was my turn. I go in and she tells me um, another uh, woman on the team has been given a promotion to senior designer. And something inside of me broke because I had put so much work in- so important to me, and my integrity, my my level, my standard is high, and I have high integrity when it comes to work, and I had intentionally put this effort into, when this opportunity arises, I want that opportunity. I want to be the best fit, because I've done the very best job that I could, and I get this news, and it just something broke. I cried for three weeks. I just was Mm -hmm. like, how could this have happened? What happened? I mean, I I went to my director, and I thought, I I just asked her, because we had such a beautiful rapport. I said, what could I have done? What more could I have done? Like, how could I have done this differently? What happened? Did I not do enough? Like, I just, she just, and she was like, let me stop you right there. There's nothing more you could have done. You do everything right, but it's all about tenure. And Mm -hmm. I just was blown away. And like I said, it took me about three weeks to really understand what broke inside of me and why this happened and why it was so important to me and what's going on kind of behind the scenes for me. And what I realized in that moment is that all it boiled down to, because you can't blame anybody else for where you are and what you're doing and what, you know, how, what path your life has taken. You can't blame anybody for that. So Mm -hmm. I always ask myself, what is my part here? What am I not What is that piece that just didn't make it work this time? And all of a sudden, I get the beautiful revelation, the beautiful answer is self-value. And it changed everything. I mean, I just went and sat down with my director and I said, listen, I want you to know something. Basically, I want you to know that I know. And now you know that I know. (laughs) one of those (laughs) conversations, but... I'm producing at a higher rate than everybody on the team, and I want you to know I know what that means. I've worked for myself before, so I'm making you guys three times the amount of money than anybody else is on this team. I'm getting paid the same amount as everybody else. It was There's just all of these kind of things that I started noticing that I had gone into a situation that I was undervaluing myself and my abilities mm-hmm. and my expertise, and when you do that, You're going to, it doesn't matter how enlightened you are when you walk into a situation and you're walking in undervaluing your own abilities, no matter how good the people are sitting at the other side of the table, they've attracted, you've attracted them in that space. And so from that space, and so everybody around me, no matter how much they liked me or how well they thought I did or, you know, how impressed they were with my work, they were, they were defining me from my place of value. And that's what changed everything. So it's almost like I had a new normal. And it was, I will never make this much money again. (laughs) I will never let someone else define my value. And no one has the authority to do that. And so that really carried through. And the reason I wanted to share that, that's really what carried through and allowed me to weather the the hour of a storm of listening to a a man telling me his opinion of what my value was because he Mm -hmm. never had the authority to do that in the first place and that was when I you know again that brings me to that point where I took my leap
0: wow all right ladies did you listen up to that I'm going (laughs) to sum this one up really (laughs) that was amazing (laughs) You know, in, in your story, a couple of things that I jotted down is you took the initiative to act as if. And this is, again, something I talk with my um, clients about. You know, put yourself in that position of acting as if you're already there. What actions are you going to take? Because you said you wanted to be ready and to be your best for that position when it came came um, came in, right? Yes. Yeah, so
1: important. <clears throat>
0: You said something else, and I hear this a lot. Uh, a lot of people don't come out and verbally say it. They act it out. And that is about blaming others. And yes. I'm sure in your business and in your coaching um, business, too, you've seen this happen often that uh, we blame other people in situations and scenarios about why we aren't where we want to be. And you hit the nail on the head. You, you attract everybody into your space. <laughs> They're not there by accident. They are there on purpose because you put them there.
1: You put them there. And every (laughs) piece of every atom in your body, every cell in your body has defined some part of you and Mm -hmm. it is attracting whatever is standing right in front of you. It's so true. (laughs) <laughs> and you know
0: what i feel like i could stand um be a pinnacle right now because where i was in life and who i had in my space and where i am today look at you i've attracted you into my space <laughs> <laughs>
1: i've attracted you how beautiful is that
0: pretty phenomenal <laughs> the the women i have um managed to attract myself to and to make this podcast show um big and powerful and global is um just amazing it blows my mind on a daily basis <laughs> so yeah. um gosh ladies listen up okay act as if and realize that what you've done you've done it yourself so Anna and I say own it and if you don't uh, like it fix it, it right
1: <laughs> yes 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 yes, fix yes.
0: It. <laughs> Yes, well, you know what I want to so do important. today. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to kind of do a little shift, right quick, um, because I would like to ask you a few other questions for the listeners. Um, and I did. We, we also mentioned, or you mentioned, mm-hmm. I mentioned, you're a single mom. And I am. Are they they under the age of eighteen?
1: Yes, eleven and five. All eleven and five.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, and you work from home. Your new business.
1: So one of the things I always like
0: to ask about my moms are, do you have any um, tips or suggestions on you know, some of that quality time? Because you and I both know when you're running a business from home and you have all these responsibilities that you're juggling, it's so important for us to still focus um, on our purpose. We're doing this for our kids. So how do you spend some of that quality time with your two children?
1: Yeah, I. Um, well, what's interesting <laughs> is that my love language is quality time. <laughs> so I just love spending quality time. I don't care what it is. Um, I love just sharing space with my kids. I like um, we love we like watching movies together. Um, I I love cooking dinner for them. We like to be active together. One of the things I love doing is being outside. And and um, I thought when my kid when I had my first son, I I thought you know I I love running so. I don't know how I'm going to get him out here running when he doesn't even know how to walk, but I thought, you know, what became important to me was making sure that we spend time taking walks, running together, biking. So I taught my kids early how to ride bikes. We like mm. to go out and ride bikes together. We just like to... to. So those are the things. I'm thinking like probably watching movies, riding bikes, running, being active together. You know,
0: together. I, well, I relate to that one because my youngest who's still at home, that is her love language. <laughs> And is her favorite <laughs> thing is, oh, it really is. And when you're talking about movies, um, I know some people think movie time isn't really family time, but that is what makes her heart beat. She's like, Will you sit down and watch a movie Aww. with me. Um, you know, she was. she's not the big game board girl. My other kids are. The other ones like to play games and cards and stuff. But she is, like you just said, in your space. Watch a movie with me. Come hang out with me. Come jump on the trampoline with me just yeah. hang out with me. <laughs> so Yeah. And I it's probably I not
1: easy for those I... of you
0: who
1: it's probably not easy for those of you who quality time is not your
0: <laughs> your um uh, well,
1: love language, but it sure is
0: nice. Well I, I have to be honest, getting a little older, you know, I jumped on the trampoline years ago but um I look at her and I look at that trampoline and I can remember doing stuff and I'm just like oh do I really dare get on this thing now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But I'll still get on a bike, and we'll still do the horse thing. So, um, but what I love about how you position this is the love language. And I had another guest um, a while back; she really positioned that to know your your kids and um, what their love language is. Yeah. Um, one of the other questions I want to ask you as a uh, work from home mompreneur is: Have you had any challenges since starting this business?
1: Um. Never. <laughs> <laughs> My leap so of faith, that's only needed. I, of course, have had challenges. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, You know, I, I know that right now it's like I don't want to focus on the past because I kind of just shared that story, but I worked mm-hmm. for myself before, so I've kind of had like a primer to this moment. Um, mm. And one of the things that I found challenging before was, I was working eighteen to twenty two hour days, and you know had a breastfeeding baby and I was always in survival mode and so what happened is I really got to reflect on that um this time and 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 realize that you know really it it's um the challenge is I think that the the challenge this time um, they don't it's interesting because I was thinking about this question i, I it's like I've had a moment to kind of feel those challenges out before and before they were, when are you going to spend time with me, you know, get off the computer, you know, and really making time and making so that my kids didn't see me on the computer constantly and Mm -hmm. that was actually in the past, that was my biggest challenge is I felt like I was constantly on the computer I had a Mm five-year-old son and I was you know, had a newborn baby and I just thought like this is what they're seeing And, and you kind of have that you know, and I'm, and I've heard other women say this is you, where is your, it's almost like, where's your loyalty? And when you're giving 30% to work and 30% to your family and you are like, into, you know, you're invested by like 60% or whatever, you know, 40%. So I, I learned, here's what I learned. Um, that was one of my biggest challenges is being able mm-hmm. to put the computer down, put the work down. I don't have that this time because what I learned is that I've created my day. And if I got to create my day, if I'm working for myself, this is my company. This is not somebody else's company. And it really goes back to that self-value is, um, is that I get to make my hours. I get to make them. My clients, unless your website is bringing in – a million dollars a day, and you're actually going to lose <laughs> a ton of money, which I would work until 4 in the morning for you to make sure that that is fixed. Um, so this is not me in any way, shape, or form trying to demean what mm-hmm. the kind of work that I do. But what I found to be absolutely important this time around is to say, you know what, my work week and my work hours, I will work 8 to 5 And if I choose to work after my kids go to bed or a little bit, you know, at different sprinkle times throughout the week and that or in the weekend, then I'll make that choice. But here's what's real. I work 8 to Mm 5 Monday through Friday. I take my weekends off and I take the holidays off unless there is a project that absolutely has a deadline. And that's my boundary. And I do my Mm -hmm. family that way because that's how most of the world does, you know, most of our world in America does it. It's 8 to 5. We function on that schedule and I'm willing to do that but in my terms.
0: Uh, beautifully said. And one thing I did hear, and I kind of guess, I guess a few other listeners can relate to this: uh, if you're a work-from-home mom, working around those children and all those other responsibilities, be aware if you feel in survival mode. Yes, that's that's um, that's a sign. That's yes. a sign that it may not be the most healthy um, choices that you're making for yourself and for the benefit or the purpose while you work at home for our children.
1: Yes, that's, that is uh, such a good <laughs> point. I'm so glad you, point, like you pulled that out. I think that is such a good point. It is when you're survival mode, you're constantly on the grind. You're constantly exhausted. You are not mm-hmm. giving attention, not to yourself. You're not actually giving the best attention to work. You're not giving your best attention to home and your family. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of non existent in a little way. You're kind of like floating. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know,
0: I, I know I can really relate to that area in the sense of um my other business that I had for all those years. It was a customer service selling business. Um I was you know, I was really good at it, had a great business, very successful. But what I realized looking back is every month there were deadlines. And in order to be your best and to be, you know, the best of the best, there was always a deadline.
1: And the Mm -hmm. end of the month,
0: always ended up focusing more on work and with my family. And because of that particular customer service business, I always found myself working, now I'm at home, but I was always on the phone. Right. And, you know, looking back, I realized, man, I just, I've learned so much. And now it's when my my daughter's home, I have one left at home, and when she's here and she wants my attention, I make, make it a point, finish what I'm doing. And focus on her. Yeah. What is it? What can I do for you? What do you want to talk about? Because honestly, depending on the age of the kids, if if they want your attention, they're going to keep bugging you. But once you give them the attention, they get it out, and then they go do their thing. It's true. <laughs> and they will get <laughs> full of you. So. <laughs> um. And this is the thing I've learned over 25 years of working at home with kids is how to really figure out that love language and how to juggle that time with focus. That's very key.
1: <laughs> it is key. It is key. And, I, you know, I wanted to bring up one more thing, that survival mode really was a big lesson for me because I was, I mean, I was raised basically in poverty, you know, so I, up until the last maybe four four years of my life, I mean, I was, I was functioning from that place. And so when I tell you before I worked for myself, 18 to 22 hour days, I was breastfeeding my child working. I mean, it was just, mm. it was exhausting. And, um, you know, when that really, when for survival mode, you don't always realize you're in it because when you're in it, that's your normal. So you it's like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I'm trying to remember at what point, mm. you know what? I do have a good point about when that changed for me, but I think that one of the important things is actually just recognizing that you're in it and that is you know nobody's going to say hey i notice you're in survival mode exactly. it's just not the way life works and so right. i appreciate that you said that you know that's when when you realize that you're in in it and when you you know you know when you're there and what changed it for me is that i reconciled my relationship with god i didn't even know I had a relationship with god i didn't i wasn't raised in church and i it wasn't my i mean people i started going to church <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I started this relationship with my God, and I started realizing and learning that um, well, what really is actually supposed to happen is that, like, whether it be God or your source or universe, what have you, is actually here to provide for you. And that mm-hmm. thing they talk about where there's an, there are infinite possibilities, where the infinite exists, where everything mm-hmm. and nothing exists all at the same time, that's real and it, there's mm-hmm. enough for everybody and there's even more than that like and and really wrapping my mind around that concept took years mm-hmm. and when oh. i when, when it started clicking for me it I, I i became i came out of survival mode without any effort like i just but i had to it took years so yeah, yeah. i
0: think most people it would take um it's not going to happen overnight and you're right it's not something that you just recognize One of the symptoms I have found with working with people is survival mode can also mimic being just very unhappy. Yes, if you're not truly happy, and you and I know it, happy, joyful, happiness,
1: joyful. Yes, yeah.
0: If if you can't find that um, at all, or if you find it very infrequently, that might be a sign that you're in that survival mode.
1: Yes, and if you're exhausted mm. constantly,
0: yes. yes,
1: that's survival mode. If you're thinking about how, how am I going to make my house payment, how am I going to feed my kids, how am I going to make it through this day, that's survival mode.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, gosh,
0: Anna, we've had such a fun conversation. I do, really, I do respect your time, and I want to wrap this yeah. up really quick. Uh, I have two quick questions. Mm -hmm. And the reason I ask about the future is I truly believe in the power of being transparent and saying, you know what, it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if there was one thing or one skill that you could like to change or improve that you feel would benefit you in having a more balanced life, you know, being happy, joyful with work, yourself, your family, what's one, one thing that you would like to change or improve?
1: I would like to declutter my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to declutter a little bit. Um, I am just kidding. Um, I would like to. Um, I would like to improve my own confidence in. You know, it's ongoing. I've sit, I've mm. told you my story, but I'd like to improve my confidence just in my own capabilities. And continue. We're well, we always to, a work in progress. We are. So no matter when you think you got there, you still have a lot of work to do.
0: <laughs> you know what? When you get there, that's just a milestone. It is a milestone. So, <laughs> celebrate it, but there's still more mm-hmm. to go, still more to do. There um, yes. And I think you shared with me, I'd love for you to share with my listeners, um, any kind of favorite quotes or um, maybe how you've applied this to your life to get you to this point?
1: So the quote that I continue to repeat to myself every day because it reminds me of how I got here today as I sit here in this moment right now even talking to you, and it's the quote I wrote down and put on my computer when I walked in the first day of my last 90 days at my job was pursue your purpose like your life depends on it. Because I feel like it's something for me, I have to imagine the worst case scenario. What would my bottom line be? What is my worst case scenario? What are my biggest fears? And am I willing to face every single one of them? Not just the moment Mm. I walk out of my job, but I faced one on Friday. I faced one today. I mean, I'm facing when having this podcast with you, you know, it's just uh, pursue your purpose like your life depends on it. What are you willing, what point of scared are you willing to get to to take this risk?
0: Mm, I love that quote. And I'm going to ask you, uh, before we publish your um, interview, share that with me Mm -hmm. because I'd really love to share that on your bio page. Okay, I will. Well, everyone, I want to thank Anna. Again, thank you for being my guest today. You're so inspiring, so much fun, and I believe that the listeners today um, received a lot of value and content from this conversation. So thank, thank you. you. Thank and you. Everyone else, <laughs> and everyone <laughs> else, thanks for joining me today. So, um, Oh, by the way, Anna, if my listeners want to reach you and find out more about your Designing uh, Durham Creative Co. Mm-hmm. How would they find yeah. you?
1: Um, okay, DurhamCreativeCo.com. That's D-U-R H A M D R E A T I V E C O dot com. Um, or simple. Anna <laughs> at DurhamCreativeCo.com dot com. Is my
0: very very simple, and we'll have that up on the website as well. So everyone, thanks for listening today. Um, please. Uh, subscribe and share this podcast with all of your friends let's continue to make the world a better happier place supporting mompreneurs give it a five-star rating and continue listening on how my guest this season went from uh, the employee in corporate america to how they worked their own job we'll see you next week